on today's Say It Ain't So Sports, we're back. We took a little break, but we're back. We're coming for the top. We'll start with part two of our NFL over-under series. We do eight per part, eight NFL teams, the over-under for their win totals for the year that Vegas sets for them. So this is part two in today's episode. And then after that, you know, we have the whole barstool, call her daddy, Dave Portnoy, Roger Goodell saga, you know, kind of everything that's happened with Barstool and Portnoy during the quarantine and how they've made the most of it, how they've ended up turning what looked like to be big losses into wins. It's a great episode. Stay tuned. Just a week up. So last episode, you guys saw we did part one of the NFL win total over-unders. We went alphabetical with the city for some reason, and so we did the top eight. So yeah, so we have part two. We'll do eight here, then we'll do two more parts to get all 32 teams. We'll start off with the Dallas Cowboys. Vegas has their win total set at 10. Last year, you could say they were one of the biggest underperforming teams in the league. But, you know, they improved in the offseason, C.D. Lamb and all that. So the win total is 10. What do we think of that, guys? Are we sure they improved in the offseason? Losing Byron Jones, big loss, a true number one corner. Uh, but I think getting Garrett out of there, uh, getting Mike McCarthy in, just having uh, just like a, an actual schematic coach is going to help them a lot. But I don't think the offense was necessarily the problem. Like the underrated part of last year's like storyline for the Dallas Cowboys was their defense took a massive step back. And like the offense is obviously the part of the team that's going to get all the national attention, but the defense has to be better. And, and um, they, they didn't really address it that heavily. Like they had a chance to improve it in the draft uh, early on and they decided to take the best player available instead of uh, like filling some holes. Uh, they did sign some veteran free agents though uh, to, to plug some gaps. Uh, ten wins. Uh, I think there's there's two bottom dweller teams in in their uh, two like uh, terrible teams in their division right now. Uh, in the Giants and the Redskins. So I, I would say ten wins. They should be able to just get to it. So over under that because they're pushed. Uh, t- ten seems perfect for it. Like uh, I, I I guess I'll go over eleven and five. Okay. I think it'll. I think it'll push. I think ten seems like perfect. Obviously, the uh, NFC East not like the hottest division. I mean, the Eagles like were, were a weird team last year. Really weird team. They had that classic like, what they go? What they go last year? Fucking like seven, like nine and seven. Yeah, nine seven. They were. In the, they made the playoffs. Obviously, unfortunate event with Carson Wentz getting hurt. Uh, something must be really funny right now. Um, yeah, but I think, like, the division's not super strong. The Redskins and the Giants, like, two, like, just, like, teams that are, like, on fire right now. But also, getting Mike McCarthy, getting, like, Garrett out there, terrible coach. And, yeah, hey, I, think, hey. I think it'll push. I think it'll push. Ten seems right there. I don't, under- I don't understand all the, all this uh, Jason Garrett hate. I think I think that he's going to transform the Giants' offense this year. But <laughs> Yeah, but he, he's, he knows football, obviously, but he's not, like, you know, like, he's not he being seem like 100% leader. serious. Uh-huh. By the way, by the way, I don't, don't. Take what I just said super seriously. I don't want to. I don't want to hear. Oh, oh, like that's a cold Trust take. Giants score, said, when said, the Giants Garrett's score like fifteen points a game this year. No, right? Don't I, worry. I, don't I, worry. Wait, 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 Greggy. Just like make sure to like clip that of Charlie saying that. Yeah, so, like, for when sure. The Giants ultimately no, now you both. Now you both. All right. It's a it's a lose lose for me. Next year we can have that clip out. Yeah, for I, sure. Look, it's a lose-lose for you now. I gave you both. I said, oh, the Giants score 15 points a game next year. And I also said J- uh, Jason Garrett's going to transform yes. the offense. All right? You, you, got what you, you got what you wanted without even asking. All right, so, so you're just not giving a take? No. Yeah, yeah <laughs> essentially. This is Zach. You're, you're playing like, both sides I'm, I'm of Zach, the fence. I'm Zach Schaumler. Are you going to give a strong opinion score? Um, oh, what was that? Are you going to give oh, a Over-under. Over-under. Uh, so, the, the Cowboys, I think – Again, like like lost at ten is like a perfect number for them. I also like agree Byron Jones is a huge loss. Like their secondary is gonna take a step back. Um they did they also lost Robert Quinn, who had a who had a, a nice comeback season last year, and they but they also did make some additions like Gerald McCoy. That was an under the radar signing that I liked. And then um getting uh drafting C D Lamb. That was like a luxury pick, but again, best player uh, available at that point. Um 
with a new with a new offensive scheme, I don't know how it's gonna work, especially because like one of the like one of the um, criticisms of McCarthy when he was last uh, calling plays and uh, head coaching was that like his offense wasn't really like that good. Um, obviously, there there will be differences uh, with a new team and new players and everything, and a year off could uh, potentially help. But I don't like from what we've uh, seen from McCarthy. I don't necessarily know if it's gonna be like a great offense. Um, so I'm, I'm probably just, I'm probably gonna have to say under because I, I, I don't really see also an NFC East team, like having like a great year next year or anything. One thing with the boys right now, do you think the Dak contract, there's just too much shit swirling around the team right now, a short and off season, not going to have a lot of time to prepare like, and with this uh, controversy coming in, are they going to be able to, you know, like, like overcome this? Well, I kind of agree with that too, Ryan. I feel that, um, Dak Prescott, he's just. He's one of those guys where you have to sign. Uh, he's not going to win you a Super Bowl, but he is going to win you some games, so you sign him. And I just think with that tension, it might uh, just downgrade the morale of the team. They are playing in a terrible division with the Giants and the Redskins and the Eagles up there competing with them. I'd say they're probably a nine-win team. They just missed the mark of ten wins. They have a high-powered offense, but the defense just isn't elite, so that's why I have them at nine in the under. Yeah. Cap, um, I agree with a lot you said. You know, we also forgot Travis Frederick retired this offseason. That's a huge hole. He's been an all-pro there his entire career. And they they did address, like, wide receiver in the draft when their defense is what lost them a lot of games last year. Byron Jones leaving, not helping at all. Robert Quinn had a revelation there with 10-plus sacks. And just, like, I know that they got holes, as you guys mentioned, but those were kind of filling guys. You know, you had above-average starters at those positions, Again, with the DAC contract, too, there's a lot of wishy-washy here. You know, like Jerry Jones' teams, there's always controversy surrounding them. Like, Jason Garrett out the door will probably help in the long run, but 10, that's very high. Like, in my opinion, I'm going to go just under here, 9, 8, you know, in that kind of range, similar to last year. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and change mine to and under, but a playoff berth. since there's the yeah, extra team. yeah, that's kind of what I'm, I think, too. Like, I see the Eagles winning this division in my yeah. out, and then the Cowboys grabbing maybe that seven spot. Yeah. At nine and seven. I agree with that. Next up, we have a very interesting team, the Denver Broncos. So, Drew Locke kind of came to life last year. He started the last five games in the year, went four and one in those games. Their win total is set at eight, and I'm just going to start off here. I'm going over here. I have them in the playoffs for next year. They're one of those kind of teams where the second-year uh, quarterback, you know, they t- take those leaps. I think Drew Locke's going to take that leap. I really like what I saw this year. You know, they're surrounding him with all the help in the world. He's got plenty of weapons now. Cortland Sutton, they drafted Jerry Judy and Shuster's guy, KJ Hamler, in the second. So they're kind of going all in. Like Elway, he's had a lot of trouble drafting QBs and with Paxton Lynch and finding guys to succeed Peyton Manning. But, like, he's going all in on um, Drew Locke being the guy. You know, their defense, they still have Vaughn Miller. They still have... Uh, they signed Justin Simmons, I think, in the offseason, something. And then um, I just I see them going over eight, maybe grabbing a wild card in that West. I'm going to have to go under here. Uh, they're relying heavily on rookies to, like, improve Drew Locke's uh, season going into year two. And I think oftentimes, like, that could translate to some good moments, but it's not always going to be you're going to be uh, – like, they're going to be winning these close games early on. I think year three is really uh, where the Drew Locke led Broncos really take off. I think this year they're going to show a lot of flashes, but they're not going to be a playoff team. I don't think. And uh, I'll go under, I think seven and nine is probably where they sit. Yeah. I'm also, I'm also going to have to go under um, like we're everybody's talking about like this, this young offense, like, and I'm sure that, that uh, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, I'm sure they're going to be really good pros, both of them, especially the, the, um, second one that I mentioned. Um, but I just like, again, they're rookies and uh, like they've never played against like NFL corners. And they also had some, like what they did lose uh, some players on the defense. Like they lost, uh, I believe they lost Derek Wolf. They, uh, they cut um, Chris Harris in the off season. Um, and so like, I think that the defense uh, is going to take a, a step back and, um, and also, like you don't you don't know with uh, like players coming into a new scheme with uh, Pat Shermer and like somebody who I who I watched a lot recently. Um, 
one of my issues with him, obviously, with, with the Giants was like his play calling. So I'm not I'm not sure if like that'll change uh, now uh, in a new role with Denver. But like I'm I'm still just gonna have to go under. I I, I need to see more uh, from the Broncos right now. We're, we're looking we're looking at potential potential as opposed to like actual results that we've seen. Yeah, I'm gonna go over. Also, I'm a huge Drew Lock guy. I think that the Broncos are probably a year away. I think this is a year where Drew Lock takes another step forward. Uh, he gears them up for a huge 2021 season. And I think, yeah, they just got a ton ton of young guys around. I do like uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Helmer. They got a great receive, uh, receiving core. I just, I think they're a year away, and I'll, I'm going to go under for it. Yeah, um, I think push or just over is pretty realistic. Obviously, last year, like Drew Locke, showing a ton of potential. He's a stud. He's a stud. You see him on the sideline rapping some, like, some, like, young Jeezy or whatever. You know, he's a stud. He's a beast. He's got some swagger to him, but obviously adding Jerry Judy to it to a, to the receiving core is huge. I don't think they're gonna like blow up next year because they're in, they're in like division uh, with the Chiefs and shit. But they're definitely gonna take a step forward next year. And like obviously, I, I agree with the the narrative that like this is gearing them up for like a fat twenty twenty one season. Like I think like this year like definitely will be like a step forward for them. And then like twenty twenty one, they're gonna be like they're gonna be like a pretty good team, like definitely like a ten win team. So I think this is like. Still, like, another, like, step year for them, but they could definitely still make some noise, make the playoffs for the wild card spot. So you have the over? Yeah. So I said I said push or, ju- like, push or just over. Yeah, on that bubble. Okay. Um, next up, we have the Detroit Lions. I feel like this is kind of a make-or-break year for Matt Patricia going into his third year. The head coach there hasn't done any winning uh, whatsoever. Matt Stafford was having his best statistical year last year before he got hurt. He had 20 touchdowns, five picks. Uh, they have the third overall pick, Jeff Okuda, is coming in to help replace Darius Slay. Right now, they're sitting at six and a half wins. That's what Vegas is giving them. So, over or under for the Detroit Lions? I think I'm going to have to go under here. I think six and ten feels right. Uh, yeah. Matt Patricia's thrown out. Uh, they they're they're really just one of the like most poorly run franchises in the league right now. Matt Stafford is the only thing that really like keeps them having any stability, and he's one injury away from being done. Right. And uh like I wouldn't want to bet on a Matt Stafford injury, but I just don't think they're talented enough right now either. Uh not a lot of blue chip players in that team. Uh they they are just not really uh, ready, especially in a competitive division like that. Uh I, I just don't think I think Minnesota's gonna be really good this year, and I think that's gonna be a problem for them. Still Green good. Bay, obviously thirteen yeah. wins last year, maybe the worst thirteen win team of all time, but still pretty good. <laughs> They'll be solid again. And uh, if, if Chicago, like like if one of those quarterbacks plays well, they're going to be super competitive again. They're still not an easy. Uh, they're not an easy win. Yeah, I, I agree, with Ryan. Also, uh, the the Lions are just a laughing stock NFL franchise, and uh, they just don't have many pieces around Matt Stafford. He's great, as Ryan said. He's an injury away from just destruction. I feel also Matt Patricia. I think that he's a bad year away from just getting the clink, and he's out. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go under uh, also. Yeah, I think uh, under under's realistic for them because like obviously the, the uh, Broncos are not the most well-run franchise in the league. They don't really have that like high-powered uh, offense. Matthew Stafford doesn't have that many uh, weapons around him. Also, didn't know Matt Stafford's on the Broncos now. Wait, my, did I say the Broncos? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, we, we restart this. Restart this. Fucking idiot. Nah, yeah, keep it in. Keep it listening. That's what the people Fucking want. idiot. Um, yeah, so the Lions, not the Broncos. We just spoke about the Broncos. Uh, the Lions are probably going to go under. Uh, poorly run team. Not not a lot going on there. Uh, Matt, Matthew Stafford's like whole body's like hanging on by like some rubber bands right now. He's like he's been getting take. He's been taking a beating his whole career. So he's going to give you like a decent season, but he's not. Matthew Stafford's not going to be the guy to like salvage this thing for them. Like it's just going to be another blow up year. Like Patricia's going to be gone. And they're going to be like starting from square one again, looking for a new head coach and pro- and, and a new quarterback probably. So it's just going to be like a blow up year for them probably. Another one of those. I'm also going to go under here. Six and ten just sounds like a match made in heaven with the Lions. I always like I never understood why Matt uh, Patricia got a head coaching job after giving up forty points to Nick Foles in the Super Bowl. Um, but you know At he had about Nick Foles. No, I'm just saying like same that's what Foles. that's that's what got him a job like getting lit up in the Super Bowl. Belichick was I, I don't know who's stopping Nick Foles in that game. Yeah, I, I, yeah he was hot. He was hot. One game. last, one last ride, Nick Foles. Come on. Yeah, also, like, also, you got to remember the NFC Championship. He like destroyed a, a really good Vikings defense. Yeah, let us yeah. nuts drag on the Vikings. Nick Foles like with on them. Yeah, with an all, the, with an all up on the line. Yeah. He's going up. Underrated there. deep ball, Nick Foles. 
back to the uh, Lions here. Matt Stafford, we have to see how he comes back. Back injuries are never good. Like, those are tough to come back from. He's in that kind of Andrew Luck bubble where, he, like, his talent is just through the roof, and he's been giving no help throughout his career. He keeps getting beat up, and, I mean, I'm not going to keep repeating the same injury concerns, but we know we need him to stay on the field because he's so talented. He's been carrying this sorry run franchise for the last few years, and it hasn't even led to much winning. Six and ten seems perfect to me. Get Patricia out of there. Just re-bring, like, bring in whole new pieces and just, you know, um, six wins, five wins. I don't see them being competitive in that North division. Yeah, this is just, this, like, screams under. I There's nothing that the Lions have done to, like, gain, like, the trust, uh, like, for me to, like, put them oh, at any over. Like, they're not, like, their roster isn't, like, that good. I mean, they have two good receivers in Galladay and Marvin Jones, but, and also Stafford, but he has injury concerns. I, I like their, like, the first pick that they made, you know, uh, Jeff Okuda, I thought that was a, a good pick, but and then they also brought in a few like New England guys, which is obviously like a last ditch effort for for Patricia and Bob Quinn. Um, I just but then again, like I they're the Lions. When have the Lions ever like done anything for for anybody to like trust them to be good? Like I just can't I can't see them being even competitive in in the NFC North. Yeah, like putting money on the Lions to win games is kind of like a death it's sentence like, as a gambler. And, yeah, and that division, and that division is just tough too. It's, it's there's just not. Yeah, a got, they got to play Kirk twice a year. I don't. Moving on to another team in that division, we have the Green Bay Packers. So you know, last year, as Loft said, maybe one of the worst thirteen and three teams of all time, and massively underperforming in those games, like barely beating teams they should be blowing out of the water for the talent they had. Uh, they're over under a set at nine wins. You know, coming off, we do expect a regression, obviously, without really addressing any of the needs in the team. They spent their first rounder on Aaron Rodgers' successor, so nine wins over under for the Packers this year. I'm going to go over here. Uh, while, like, I feel like the narrative is so strong at this point that they're going to have a bad season. Think about it. It's year two of, uh, of the system, of Matt LaFour's system. Aaron Rodgers should be more comfortable. Whatever friction there was, that should recede a bit. And uh, also, uh, like, they're going to be healthier on the outside at receiver. They're not going to be, like, ripping through the depth chart like that. Uh, and um, also, like, if Detroit's terrible, that's two wins for them. And I think, like, they just have a good shot to easily win 10 games. Yeah, I'm, all, I'm also going to have to take the over. Like, I like obviously, we everybody kind of agreed that the Packers were, were for all it's all year last year. Um, but... Like despite that, they're still at least a nine win team. They fall into like that that nine ten win range. Um, like roster wise, their defense is still strong. Um, but obviously, I think that their defense will regress. But I still think that they'll be they'll be fine. They don't have Blake Martinez in their defense anymore. That should help. Um, and, but I still do have concerns um, with like uh, a second guy on the outside for the line uh, the Packers. Um, but like I, I still think that they're at least a, a nine-win team, so I'll take the over. Hearn, go. Yeah, uh, the over seems realistic here. I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers, like just like great, very good quarterback, one like, of the most great. talented. When when he's like in close games, he's gonna get you some wins. Um, obviously they're gonna regress. They're probably not gonna win thirteen games next year. It's just not very realistic. But also Matt Ford, like year, like another year in the system, know it a little more. Definitely can improve. They have some. They have a lot. They have weapons on offense. Devontae Adams, obviously stud. Um, I don't know much about their defense, but their offense seems fine. So I don't think they're gonna like like blow up next year. They're probably gonna win nine or ten games. Seems right, you know. Aaron Rodgers, stud, gonna win you some games. But I don't know with the whole disgruntled. He may be disgruntled from drafting a QB in the first round. That was like a, we were like a, that was a what the fuck pick for us. But maybe Aaron Rodgers, known to be a toxic guy, doesn't talk to his family. Known toxic guy. Yeah, known scum. How is, scum how is he gonna react to this? Is is gonna be very very interesting. Okay, what I'll say is uh, people expecting some sort of blow-up. I just don't see it because they're one of those NFL franchises with just, like, the infrastructure. If everything went wrong, they could still win nine games. And, uh, like, I, I just don't see how, like, they, this could really blow up for them. They're, they're a blue-blood franchise. This doesn't happen to blue-blood franchises. Yeah. Uh, we, we've seen it happen with blue-blood franchises before. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. You, you talking about the New York Giants? <laughs> the Raiders? Talking about the Raiders? Raiders are not a blue blood franchise. Their owner is worth like 50 bucks. Yeah, they're, so, from, they're you, from the AFL, too. Uh, you, you talking about the Giants? 
Yeah, of course he is. I mean, when you Fair when man. you hire like Gettleman, anything could happen. You know, what I mean, like they don't have Matt Lafour is not as much of like well, an happened incompetent... before Gettleman. Yeah, happened before. Yeah, what I'll say is Lafour is not as much of like an incompetent fuckstick as Ben McAdoo, right? So he's going to be able to actually uh, call some plays and maybe not like lose the locker room by week three. Yeah. And so if that doesn't happen, they should be okay. I mean, people make it seem like sure. Matt uh, Lafour didn't take over this juggernaut team. They didn't make the playoffs two straight yeah. years before he came in there. So nine wins. I'm going to go over two. I think this narrative like. We've beat down so much how you look, oh, it's supposed to be the best wide receiver draft. They didn't draft one first-round QB. So, like, it's led to Vegas kind of sleeping on them. But even if they do get worse than last year, it won't be more than five games with Aaron Rodgers in the second year of that system. They're bringing almost everyone back. Um, they're going to beat up on the Vikings, as Love said. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to bet against Aaron Rodgers to win nine games after he won 13 the year before. I so. said Lions! <laughs> Yeah, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. The Vikings, the Vikings are still a very good team. Oh, that's, I meant, that could, I meant, that could very I well meant, win that division. Excuse me, I meant Lions. Shit, yeah, but I I still agree with everyone. I, I believe that noted scumbag Aaron Rodgers will lead his team to above nine wins. Toxic. Uh, they're, they're, the bottom of that the, the bottom of that division is pretty weak, and I just think that yeah, nine wins is probably the standard for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. So they'll go over that for sure. Next up, we have. Very interesting team, the Houston Texans at seven and a half. This offseason, they were probably one of the they were in the news a lot this offseason for good and for bad, but we'll let we'll let uh, Herney start here. Yeah. Everyone knows me. Fuck Deshaun Watson. Got so size so gassed. He's a great athlete, but this guy, Hopkins, made made this guy. Next year when they lose, they lose literally like arguably the best the best receiver in the NFL. Like that's a fair point. Yeah. They, and we have Bill O'Brien, notable, just like, just like buffoon, doesn't know what's going on. He, he's he. They're gonna blow up. They're not gonna have like they're not gonna have like the best receiver, one of the best receivers of all time, to bail them out time and time again. And uh, picking up an aging running back is gonna be, do nothing for them. I think their offense is gonna is gonna be stagnant. I think I think Watson's gonna take some hits, and I think I think it's just gonna be a bad year for them. I'm I'm feeling under here, honestly. I don't know. That may be an unpopular pick, but. I honestly uh, so, hope they make the playoffs so Josh Allen can like can get his revenge game. Honestly, that's what I would hope for in an ideal world. So you said it's you said it's seven and a half, right? Yes. Yeah. Under uh, six or seven wins. I'm I'm gonna have to take the over on this one. Um, regardless of what we what we think about Bill O'Brien, like, and the DeAndre Hopkins trade. At the end of the day, the the um the Texans have had one losing season since Bill O'Brien took over. Um, and they've made the playoffs um, four of of the six seasons that he's been there. Um, so, and one of those seasons was uh, DeAndre Hopkins was not a, like he did not have like the season that we would think of uh, from a player Osweiler. like DeAndre Hopkins. And that but was still, but like, still, like you said, with Brock Osweiler, a receiver like him is 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 beyond his like. Impact I know, but what I'm, catching the ball. Yeah, I understand. But the whole what I'm, like the whole like. Game plan Can I speak? Of, the, of the opposition. Oh, a guy like that, Christ! A guy like right, that changes. The, I just think his, <laughs> his his he has such a monumental impact beyond him catching the ball. Like he just shifts the whole defensive outlook for the opposing team. Okay, but regard regardless of what you think about Deshaun Watson, he's still like a viable starting quarterback. He's still a very very good starting quarterback, yes, despite what you think, right? I agree. And when, when you have like and he's the best quarterback in that division, right? Ryan Tannehill is is not as good as Deshaun yeah. Watson, even though he had a great year last year, right? right sure. give, give Tannehill Hopkins, right? Yeah, All right, give, give sure. Hopkins. <laughs> give Watson that O line in there, Henry. and AJ Brown. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, a good yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make it seem like Tannehill didn't carry some crappy team. Like he took I mean, over. Tannehill less than a hundred yards in that in that game where they beat the Patriots. All right, let's let's not act. When you have when you have one of the biggest guys on planet Earth, Derrick Henry, just give him the ball. Okay, so so is there like no quarterback besides Josh Allen that like makes plays for himself? Is that what you're saying? That's what that's what I'm getting out of this. That's not that's sure. Not what I said. Dude, Watson's <laughs> sure. great. Watson's Why not? great. But I think that like them losing DeAndre Hopkins, they're gonna it's gonna be hard for them to adjust because like he's you he's a guy you could like just gear your whole like like a game plan around. Yeah, like, obviously their offense is like their yeah. offense is gonna be so much more stagnant. Like, like who's gonna be Fuller? Is Fuller gonna be like their like main guy? Like, I don't know. The Texans' offense actually was like more like re- like it it really relied on like whether or not Will Fuller was playing last year. Yep. But the th- like Will like if you looked at like the the differences yeah. in 
points when they had Will Fuller on the field versus when they didn't. But and obviously, like, uh, and I will like obviously recognize what you said about having DeAndre Hopkins there. Will Fuller obviously wasn't going up against a number one corner. Yeah. But still, like seven. I still think that like saying the Texans are going to be below five hundred next year is a ridiculous statement. But bring back a lot, like a lot of this, like the same guys, despite making that like terrible trade, um, where they gave up DeAndre Hopkins for that for that shitty contract and David Johnson. I just yeah. think that it's ridiculous to think that they're going to be below five hundred. Well, yeah, I agree. I think it would take like a complete meltdown, and like, and when you think of meltdown, I mean like Bill O'Brien's fired. Bill O'Brien is is just won't get fired during the season of the series. The GM and the coach, so who would fire him? And they wouldn't want to bring in like an interim coach and GM at the same time. So yeah. I think like like and also like forever uh like whatever bad personnel moves he makes he's a good in game coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, their team never like really falls apart, and they're always competitive in every game they play in for the most part. What okay, I'll maybe... say is um, go ahead. Sorry, you finish, just finish. Actually, I'll just go. All right, yeah, I'll I'll say this. Eight, totally realistic. I think like very likely though, gut check for me. Maybe it's just me being like a d- disgruntled Josh Allen lover, but I like I think seven or eight wins, very realistic. So I'll, I'll say under or push. Okay, as I continue here, um, seven I seven and a half wins. Uh, off, Not seven and a half. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know. What I, mean? the, I thought it was eight. Whatever. Yeah. The offense, uh, like in theory, like yeah, you lost your number one receiver. I kind of like what they did though. They added like a just a, a bunch of receivers, a bunch of receiving options for Watson, and I think they're trying to follow that Chiefs model, which I mentioned earlier. They just have a bunch of like uh, small, twitchy, fast receivers. They bring them all in, and I, I think if those receivers stay healthy, which is a big thing, because every all of their like projected starting receivers are injury prone. If they stay healthy, I think this could be Deshaun Watson's like statistical peak as a player. He could probably throw for five thousand yards if everyone stays healthy. That that would be so unfortunate if he did, and then I just look like I just look like the biggest <laughs> buffoon of all time. I, I would definitely think it's possible. Yeah, um, I think the pendulum here has uh, shifted way too and far. I'm going over here with the, over. yeah over for loft at seven and a half. I'm easily gonna go over. Deshaun Watson, he's won everywhere he's been throughout his career. He's had a poor so line. And, you know, you can make the argument, yes, DeAndre Hopkins is an amazing player, but without him, you won't have to pepper him all those touches. You know, you'll be able to see the entire field, see every receiver. We see instances where QBs have to – they're forced to lock in in a receiver. You know, we saw Baker. He got worse when he got Odell because he was forced to kind of pepper him touches and stuff like that. And Bill O'Brien – like, Matt Stafford, yeah. retired. For sure, yeah, totally. So we see this a lot. And Deshaun Watson, I, I'm not going to bet against him to win eight games. I think that's when you have the Jacksonville Jaguars in your division. When you, like, he's a good in-game coach, as Loft said, seven and a half. I think it swung too far to the left last year. Um, I'm still going to pick them to win. You know, I'm still going to pick them to win the division. I still think they'll be better than the Titans. We'll get to that later. But I'm going to go over here, nine wins, ten wins. I'm not going to bet on Deshaun. Watson to like completely fall apart and not even go 500 this year. All right. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think seven and a half is a terrible one. I might actually bet it myself. I am going to bet it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. The Texans will win the division and they're, they're also just like a perennial wild card weekend team. They're always there. They're not great. They're not shit. They're just, they're in the playoffs, but they don't really make a lot of noise. And what I want, I just hope that the Josh Allen and uh, Deshaun Watson meet again. And I just hope, I hope the Bills get the revenge that they need. And, uh, yeah, so I think this is an easy over. I think I'm going to probably just bet this one myself. It's an easy one right here. When I Free. saw this, I it jumped out. out it. This, yeah, this it's an easy one right there. I might this do This is one of like the three that I have starred here. I Hammer the under. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next up, we have the Colts. And this one was kind of, sh- you know, we'll get into it later. But nine wins is the Colts. You know, we have Phil Rivers coming in. It's going to be last year? They went seven and nine with Jacoby right. Brissett. And they're bringing in like the seven nine specialist in Phil Rivers. Charlie, you're begging to talk. What do you want to say here? Under. I honestly, um, Phil Rivers, you could argue, is a downgrade from Jacoby Brissett at this point in Phil Rivers' career. Yeah, he's right. Like, he's, like, he's like knees. Phil Rivers is right at, at at this point in his career. I I think that he's a Hall of Famer, but like right now at this point in his career, he is a he's very turnover prone. He throws a lot of interceptions. He fumbles a lot. He'll just like throw the ball up in late game situations and throw picks on like, on like crucial drives. Um, like I just I don't think that Philip Rivers like, like and that and because it's the quarterback position that we're talking about like that is a huge uh like 
move that they made to go out and get Philip Rivers like to be their starting quarterback. And it's a move that I didn't like. I like the trade for DeForest Buckner. I think DeForest Buckner is better than anybody they could have got at 13th overall, but they are allocating that money towards him. It's a, he'll still do well for that uh, defense. But overall, I just think that the Philip Rivers move like doesn't improve the team at all. So I'm going to have to go under. Chris Boward, like we praise him a lot for being one of the most smart teams with his cap and his draft picks and all that, but he is $38 million dedicated to the QB position. And when you have that much money dedicated and Jacoby Brissett and Phil Rivers is the best that you got, like that's just unacceptable in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Phil Rivers, yeah, he last year he looked completely lost out there, just chucking it up with his eyes closed, praying for Keenan Allen to come down with it. And DeForest Buckner, they trade their first for him. I like that fit there. But nine wins seems too generous for me, especially when you have the Texans and Titans in this division, who I think both have better quarterbacks and rosters. So I'm going to go under here at nine. I don't think they get it done. And yep. Uh, yeah, I, I think under as well. I mean, I agree with Chester bringing in bringing in uh, Rivers. Definitely a downgrade at the quarterback position. He just like last year, his last year in, uh, in uh, the Chargers, not not a great year. Didn't, didn't do too hot. So bringing in like like old old man like like half robot Philip Rivers who's like who's like just toxic like and for, for like to replace a young guy that you could probably like get some wins with thing is bad. Also, I think I would I would think also the Texans are a better definitely a better team at the quarterback position like not even not even question. And the Titans are better than them too. Both way better rosters. Like definitely gonna beat them. Probably probably lose both games to them. And I, I just don't think it's going to be a great year with Philip Rivers at the helm. I could see, like, a situation where he just shits it up and they throw Brissett or something back in there. Yeah, uh, I would definitely go under, too. I've made my uh, thoughts clear on Philip Rivers at this point. Uh, and if you, as uh, Greggy mentioned earlier, if you allocate $38 million to quarterback, you better feel pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't see how you can feel great about Philip Rivers being your guy. And, uh, like, for that reason, I, like, it's just an instant under. If, like, you don't feel good about the quarterback, it's hard to go over. I, I think I agree with almost everyone else. I think it's just uh, definitely an under. Phil Rivers is just uh, your classic early 2000s quarterback who just likes to stay in the pocket and just not mobile at all. And that's just not what you're seeing today. A lot of quarterbacks, they're getting out of the pocket, they're being mobile, and, and Phil Rivers just doesn't have that. He's a turnover machine. And plus, I think they're in the bottom half of that division, so I definitely think they'll be under. Next up, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, they're one of the teams that – it's blatantly obvious that they're not really concerned with winning in 2020-2021. They're over under a set of four and a half wins with Gardner Minshew at the helm. Full 16 this year. Do we like that over? Do we like that under? What are we thinking here? I think this is one of the, uh, the trickiest ones because yeah, you think about weird. the Jaguars last year as this like, terrible, horrible team. Their record was not uh, indicative of a team that that uh, should be tanking right now. Or that you would assume, like, oh, they're, they're going to win one game this year. I'm looking at their record last year. It's a tough one. Uh, but I think Minshew kind of gets figured out a little bit this year. And uh, I, I think four and a half, you said? Yes. Five, I think five is going to be tough. Yeah, I, th- I think four and 12 seems about right. Yeah, th- this one's very hard. I'd probably – so it's four and a half, you said? Yep. Four and a half. I, I think I'm just going to go under. I think this is just a poor franchise with uh, Garden Menchu, which you really don't know what you're going to get. I do like him, but you don't know how the season's going to go with them. Uh, it's sad to see like this team a couple years ago was competing for the Super Bowl awesome. uh, against the Patriots in the AFC Championship. Now they're just completely went down the shitter. So I'm just going to go under here. But, yeah, this is a, it's a hard one for sure. Yeah, I mean, that Saxonville team that you're talking about that nearly beat the Patriots, they only have one start from that team. You know, complete turnover. I think Doug Marone, you look at it like this is kind of a lame duck head coach, similar to Jay Gruden last year in Washington. Like, they kept him for this year, and I don't think he can do much winning with this roster. I will say this about Minshew. Definitely has limited arm talent, but I went to look at his stats the other day, and I, it jumped out. Like, he had 21 touchdowns, six picks. So he's very smart with the ball. And um, I'm going to go barely under here. I like Minshew. Like, he's kind of a meme, but I don't think they have the talent on defense now, which used to be their strong suit. It's now a weakness. Their line, their O-line up front is not strong at all. So I'm going to go under three, four wins seems about right for me. And especially in that division, uh, you would think, like, the Titans, yeah. Colts, and uh, Texans will at least be, like, somewhat mediocre. And, the, the, and those couple wins out of at least seven have to come from somewhere. Yeah. 
with a team like the Jaguars, like the over unders when like it's that low, it, it can be really tricky because like in the NFL, any team can beat any team. Well, not necessarily, but like most of the time, like most of the time NFL games like are close. So you never know, but I'm still going to have to take the under. I think the Jaguars are the worst team in the league going into the uh, 2020 season. And like with the coaching situation, like, uh, like Ryan said, uh, it's like um, Jay Gruden, who's now their offensive coordinator uh, last year with the the Redskins, where he like where everybody knew he was going to get fired. And then like the team just like played horribly. Um, I, I definitely can see that situation happening with the Jaguars. And uh, like Law said, the um, they're in they're in a division where like everybody's mediocre at worst. So like there aren't going to be many opportunities for them to win football games. Yeah. Um, I also, I'm going to go under here. Uh, they're just like, they're just like a kind of like a flaming uh, dumpster fire right now. The, the Jags, there's not a lot going for them right now. I mean, like it's concerning when you have like Minshew at the helm right now. Um, the quarterback position has always been, it's been an issue there with like, like ever since losing like stud Blake Bortles, you know, like they signed Foles. that, that, that uh, signing didn't go well. Minshew like is, is a weird guy. He like reminds me of Baker Mayfield for some reason, you know, like, like young guy, like who, who like who has like a weird playmaking like X factor, but I just don't think he's gonna be able to pull this team that probably is gonna tank so they can get like 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 Trevor Lawrence. He's not gonna make any noise. I think they're yeah. I agree with Chelsea. They're gonna be one of the worst teams in the league. Four even four three wins maybe. Uh, they're gonna be they're gonna be pretty bad next year. A full sweep from the San Antonio boys all going under here. Um, you know where to bet, guys. Now I mean we're giving you locks. <laughs> So we have the last analysis. The last team on this list are the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Right now, Vegas has their over/under set at eleven and a half wins for this next season after winning twelve games last year. What do we think of that? Uh, I think over here, honestly, eleven and a half. I mean, it seems a little like uh, conservative, honestly. I mean, last year they they. They had a little bit of like a weird start with Mahomes getting hurt. Everyone thought it was chalked. I, uh, not everyone, but a lot of people thought it was ch- like it was wraps for the Chiefs. Like they're screwed. They can't bounce back from this. But like we've seen it now, Mahomes is like is legit. Like he is so good. He's gonna just Pretty will good. that team into so, like so many wins. Their offense is insane. Travis Kelsey, uh, Sammy Watkins, uh, Tyreek Hill, like insane air raid offense. They can just throw it on you. They're a great team. I, I just I just don't see a way they don't win like 12, 13 games and get like repeat as champions. Yeah, I'm also gonna have to take the the over here. I like when you look at the the Chiefs offseason, like really like the only like mate like even like major pieces that they really lost was like Kendall Fuller, and he wasn't even like a major piece for that team. They're bringing yeah. back a lot of like their core players from that offense and the, and the defense. They they were able to franchise tag Chris Jones. They still have tired Matthew and Frank Clark under the contracts that they signed last year. Obviously, um, Juan Thornhill will be coming back healthy. Um, they still won the Super Bowl in spite of him being uh, out, but that that could have been a potential big loss for them. Um, and I like what they did uh, in the in the draft as well, drafting Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Willie Gay Jr. I I, th- I really think that um, they'll be able to um, build off what they they did last year and make another run, especially with like the best quarterback I've ever seen play in Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, I mean they're bringing twenty of twenty-two starters back from a Super Bowl team. So this is the same team as last year. You have you have Mahomes. You haven't paid yet the monster contract he deserves. So you're able to keep everyone for one more year before you pay him that huge deal. And I'm going over here, too. Like, I don't see them just winning 11 games. They will probably coast to the playoffs because that's all it's about now, now that they've proven they can get over the hump. But 12, 13, that just seems right to me. You know, some teams are going to win 13 games, and why would I pick Pat Mahomes not to be the quarterback of that team? Andy Reid finally proved he could get it done. And I think getting the monkey off their back and getting the Super Bowl will take a lot of the pressure off and allow them to just have even more fun and more creativity throughout the regular season. So I'm going to go over here, 12, 13. I wouldn't even be surprised if they won 14 games. Yeah, they're just going to be a very dominant team. There's no way around that. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take the over also. Uh, I, I think it's pretty uh, explanatory. I mean, they just got speed guys all over, and uh, Pat Mahomes is just – he's just going to keep rising up. Yeah, it's definitely like a 12-1 team, and uh, I think they're definitely, they're definitely going to be in there for the Super Bowl next year also. Yeah, I think um, 
obviously this is an over. I think the short and off season uh, will give teams less time to try to prepare for the Chiefs. Hence, they're not going to take as big as a regression as you would think, as you would like possibly think from like a Super Bowl hangover. Since they're all, and they're also returning the same team, so it's an over for me. Oh, another clean sweep for the boys. So that'll do it for part two. Part three, we're starting off with Lofts Las Vegas Raiders. So make sure to stay tuned for that, and then the hammer rest that over. <laughs> um, so when we're back from the break, we're gonna kind of go over, you know, this quarantine. It's been kind of messy to get the facts and stuff like that, especially with a media company like Barstool that we're all big fans of. So we're gonna give you kind of the Dave Portnoy story of what's happened over this quarantine with caller daddy, Roger Goodell, all that. Make sure to stay tuned. Oh yeah, and we're back. So when this whole, you know, we are moving to the studio, obviously, as you guys know, the NYC studio. And Do they know? What? Do they know? What? Do they know? Do they know? Oh, yeah, they know. We announced it last episode. And it's been on our socials, and they obviously follow our social media accounts. That and, of course, I do, so that's, I, I was just asking as a joke, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, and so one of the things Loft texted me about doing as our first segment there is, Winners and losers of the quarantine. Obviously, it's been a tumultuous time here with nationwide quarantine. And someone who we are going to probably do is Dave Portnoy at some point. But at this point, I feel like it just deserves its own episode, everything that's happened with Barstool and him throughout the quarantine. And you have to start with the caller daddy drama. That's been one of the, that's been a nationwide story. It's been picked up by national media now. And it all started when. Caller Daddy, they were just doing their normal episodes during quarantine and then just decided to suddenly stop and go weeks on weeks without telling literally anyone what was going on. And then it got pretty fishy. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you know, it's always like a total scumbag move when a podcast goes on a hiatus for weeks or even months at a time mm-hmm. and decides not to say anything that's going on. Yeah. You know, like, like we would never do that to you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. We never have. We never will. Week. We've yeah. been preaching. Three, three, three we are loyal. And that's the way you do it. You know, you keep them in the loop. You don't you don't uh, do one episode and say season two is coming. You don't do that. You know, you, you do all your episodes in a row and you get them done. And you stay consistent with it. And for them to do that is just entirely unprofessional. Disingenuous. <laughs> yeah. I can't and so anybody would do that. Finally, after like a month, we don't know what's going on. They come out with some bullshit like Instagram post how they can't say anything. The lawyers are telling them they can't say anything. But they make it seem like you should be on their side instead of Portnoy's side. And that's what you think up until Portnoy drops his big episode on their feed. But before that, their their uh, salaries were getting leaked and it was showing severe underpayments for having a top, I think, undisputed, like top five podcasts in the world. Um, they were getting paid 80K base salary. And then Portnoy went, he did a podcast on the Call Daddy feed. And that's where this whole situation just kind of escalated and blew up into, like, the big story it is right now. Yeah, Portnoy hops on there, says, 80K, nah. 100K, nah. Uh, they made a combined almost a million dollars last year yeah. uh, doing the podcast with their uh, bonuses in the deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, he lets that out. And then he uh, proceeds to go through the whole situation with uh, Suitman, the whole saga there. Yeah, and he, he also uh, Nate, like when he um put uh posted the, the episode he also titled Daddy Speaks <laughs> like going after the whole situation. So yeah, he yeah, so sets, got... go ahead. He so he sets the record straight, you know, we were hearing like this is bullshit. How are they only getting paid eighty K? He explained that they have bonuses that they continue to hit and they're making up to five hundred K in their first year. And that's where the two girls, Alex and Sophia they went to him and asked for a raise. You know, it's not an unfair ask when you're doing that successful. And he was willing to give it to them. Um, and so what they wanted was just completely absurd. And this is when he, like, realized that there was a third party involved. And that was the aforementioned suit man. So one of the girls, Sophia, started dating this guy, this executive at HBO that kind of, he'll play a big role in the story, but... He gave them like this this idea that they were just being severely unpunished and un- underpaid. And he came up with this term industry standard deal. And the deal was just outrageous. It was like give them give away every single, you know, the IP, which is the intellectual property of Cardaddy, like 
they would not be able to to explain this. Like if they just wanted to go to some other podcast network, they couldn't use any of the terms they do, any of the merch. The title couldn't be called Daddy. So Barstool owned all that, right? Portnoy took a he took a chance on a podcast that had no really notoriety before Barstool and blew it up. And you know he he deserves the rewards, but. Peter Nelson, Suitman thought otherwise and came up with this absurd deal that kind of made the two sides very tumultuous. Yeah, kind kind of that the deal that uh, Peter Nelson offered kind of reminds you of the the deal that uh, the MLB players just just offered to the owners uh, less than twenty four hours ago. Just, just a ridiculously one sided deal that's just never gonna that nobody will ever agree to, but. Yeah, so uh, Peter Nelson and I guess the Caller Daddy Girls' like original demands were a million dollars guaranteed each with bonuses yeah. still. Yeah. Uh, what was it, 15% of merch? Or not all of merch? All of yeah, merch, all of merch all and like merch. 75% alcohol or something. And they can terminate the contract at any time and leave. Yeah. So, so like, uh, obviously from that perspective, what is Barcelona even getting out of that deal? If they can just go in and then quit? Uh, or they could go there, sit salary, uh, sit on their salaries, and to get all the merch money and and take the IP at the end. And they also so wanted, right? And so this was a rejects. And this was a month into them not making any new content. They wanted to be paid on the podcast. They didn't do so. Just these absurd requests. And Portnoy just basically told him to fuck off. He was not having any of it. Um, and then Peter Nelson began shopping it around to other networks, not realizing that Barcel owns Call Daddy. Like you're just not allowed to do that. And so where things really get interesting is with the girls, because up until this point, they were united front. And then there's this famous rooftop deal where, you know, after the negotiations, they stop talking. Barstool and Colorado kind of come to a compromise. Dave gives them a perfect deal. He lets them, they have 18 more months on the salary. He cuts it down to 12. And after that 12 months, gives them the IP. So they're basically able to just walk after one year and completely take the brand with them to wherever they want to go. And this is what they asked for in the beginning, so you'd expect them, obviously, to agree, right? Yeah, so to go over what would happen there, in two years working at Barstool, they would have uh, netted over a million dollars each, uh, minimum. And they also would have uh, they would have walked away with the Call Her Daddy IP that they could sell to another network. Yeah, so they would have had Barstool blow up their entire, you know, make their careers, make their lives, and then once... They have the fan base just leave and Barstool got kind of nothing in return. And that was the deal that they were still willing to offer to the girls. Yeah. Also noteworthy that, that uh, Portnoy mentioned that like nobody gets, gets the IP in negotiations. Like P- PMT doesn't own their, their IP. KFC radio doesn't own their IP. None of the shows at uh, Barstool own their IP uh, except call her daddy. If they uh, had signed that deal. Yeah, I mean, Howard Stern, I think, is like the only major Howard guy. Stern and like Letterman. Yeah, and Letterman were the only ones who've ever owned the IP. I, I, I just think Dave like thrives on, under these moments of controversy. He just always comes to a solution or always just beats the bad guy. He came up with a great deal, and then he just punished. It's completely just shit on Peter Nelson with all the memes he came out of, and he just always comes out looking like the good guy. To these, like, just just kind of crazy in like today's era. And so another important note of this deal is that it's 50-50 between the two girls, Alex and Sophia. And we'll learn shortly later Shortly later that uh, Alex Cooper was carrying the kind of load. She did all the editing on her own. So Sophia was really just the talent, and she was going to be paid the same. And so this deal kind of worked out. It was perfect for Barstool, perfect for the girls. It's what they wanted. And Alex left that meeting, as she will later explain. She felt like this is the deal we got to make. And Sophia, not so much because of the third party influence from Peter Nelson, which is where Dave, you know, is pointing a lot of the hate to now. Yeah. And uh, the second the girls start disagreeing, it was pretty much uh, raps. Uh, Portnoy can come in. He uh, Alex wants to take the rooftop deal. Sophia, uh, according to Dave, feels like tied to Peter Nelson that he got them this deal at Wondery and now they can't take it yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that divided them, and that's pretty much like the the end. If he if both people in the uh, pod aren't going against uh, Portnoy, he, it's so easy for him to make a deal with one of them, and that's it. And so what? But at this point, you know, they were still willing to work together. Sophia and Peter Nelson they drew up a bunch of like counter proposals to Dave's amazing offer, and Alex was kind of just saying like they would ask her like what she thought of it, and she'd be like whatever Sophia wants. Like she was ceding a lot of the power to Sophia and letting her 
keep offering this outrageous claims. I know the one thing that Barstool kept throughout this was the alcohol, like the percentage of revenue from the alcohol sold. And then even then they were willing to have some wiggle room there. So Barstool was willing to constantly compromise. And like to Alex, she made it seem like Sophia, this was a deal that she would just not be willing to get done. Keep asking for more, making up things to ask for, she even did. And then this led to kind of what Loft was alluding to is like, Alex kind of just went off on her own and realized like Sophia is trying to tank this deal, just trying to get as much money up front and hurt, you know, the brand. Cause they also like, they want to come out with pods. Like we are so motivated to come out with pods and they are too. Like we would never give you, never go on a break or anything like that. So they wanted to come back out. And this is where the beef really started between the two former roommates. One of the things that really struck me is that, uh, Sophia wanted the ability to terminate the contract at any time. And yeah. she, according to Alex in private, told her, like, we could just go in and quit. Yeah. And uh, to negotiate uh, in that in that way, if that if that uh, actually happened, I couldn't imagine the press releases from Team Portnoy after that. If they signed the contract, came in for a day and quit. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would not look too good. For, yeah, uh, if it end up putting that in their favor, like, because as Cap said, controversy is his middle name. Like, he loves it and he thrives off it. Yeah, it's it's weird they'd want to like that like that they'd want to do this with Fortnite because like Fortnite just never loses like when when the when the when the lights are on Fortnite always just like somehow is gonna like make some meme just drop some bomb on Twitter that's just gonna fry you so why they'd want to get ugly with it doesn't really make sense it's not really resonating but you know as always Barstool's gonna win and so eventually after this you know it's not looking like they're gonna get a deal done Alex she has enough of it. And she begins kind of going to Dave on her own and trying to work out a deal with just the two of them without Sophia. She drops this like 30 minute YouTube video, like explaining her side of the story. And it really just has a lot of the same things we went over and kind of pinpoints how Sophia's boyfriend is what changed her in the end. Like she was only there for the clout, only looking for the money. He was the driving force. He was acting like Call Daddy's manager. Like he was just dating her and then tried to take over the podcast as his he kept coming up with lawyers, and he is what ended up leading to, like, the best friends not being friends at all. Yeah, like, like people like, like Sophia, like, like we just we just detest that. Like, we're not in this for the money. Like, we no, just love the fans. Love we just do this. This is our we've have We've had opportunities to yeah, generate had, we've, a we've, ton we've, of revenue off this all, podcast, all and we say, no, is, we got to keep the content. All I'm going to say is Warner mm-hmm. Brothers did offer us $7 million to sell the IP. Yeah, you know, we, we're not, not giving up the, the IP. We're not giving up the IP. Can't sell the IP. On a serious note, we can't speak on it too much because like there's a lot of legal battles. But yeah, we have been fighting off some people who've been trying to get our content deservingly so. But if they want to change us even one percent, we're not going to do it. We're a hundred percent us. We're not going to be manufactured into some mainstream garbage. We're us. You know, you guys love us for us, and we would never betray you like that. We're ad free. We're not sellouts. We're not sellouts. No. Um, Talking about the caller day thing in general, I think one of the media spins that came out in the beginning that Portnoy quickly shut down was like, uh, look at Dave Portnoy underpaying these women that are yeah, working at Barstool Sports. Nope. And, you know, obviously you could see that's not true. He wasn't underpaying them. One thing I would say, I would, un- one thing I will say though, I would understand why caller daddy wouldn't necessarily want to be at Barstool Sports. Uh, I, I just don't think it's necessarily like the right link. And, but they did sign that deal early on. Like they, they could say it's not the right pairing, but they took that money early on. And now like you kind of made your bed. And you got to fulfill your contractual obligations. Yeah, I mean, the analogy that Dave made was like, let's say you're a MLB player, and at the first, you have signed a three-year deal, and at halfway, you know, at the All-Star break of your first year, you're raking. You're putting up DJ LeMay Hugh numbers last year, and then you just try to sign with another team just like that. Like, that's not how it works. He took a chance on them. It paid off. You know, he's taking chances on plenty of podcasts that – didn't blow up the way Call Daddy did, but to Lost Point, they never really seemed like the Barstool podcast. They didn't really interact in, with Barstool in any other way besides uploading their podcast. They weren't in the studio that much, and you could see like they weren't Barstool people, and which is why these ultimately became rocky negotiations. But Alex and Portnoy, they got a deal done. Um, do you know the specifics of it? I don't know the exact specifics, but 500k guaranteed. Mm-hmm. She can leave after a year with the IP. And then, right. like, some higher percentage of merch. But now, uh, whatever percentage of the IP was once split between her and Sophia is now 100% Alex's. Mm-hmm. And I would, de- like, as Pornoy said, like, there's going to be a lawsuit coming about that. 
But uh, Portnoy did offer Sophia a chance to do her own podcast at Barstool for a year and see how that would go. I couldn't imagine what would happen if she came into the <laughs> office to record her podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, would she even go in the up... office? Well, she can't do editing. Like, she doesn't know how to do any of that. So, yeah, that's other thing. But yeah, so you know, this is a girl in Sophia. She's on the top of the mountain in the podcast industry. And just like that, she lost it all. She lost her entire career. She lost her credibility too because what what they tried to do to Barstool, constantly declining the deals and asking for more and these unrealistic deals was that's not the business approach you take. And now Alex is kind of like coming out on top in the two dog fight between the two. She's coming out with episodes right now, I think. She came out with one explaining her side of the story again, as Charlie was alluding to. I think Portnoy is going to be on one. So Barstool and Alex, they're going to continue to win and grow Card Addy for the next year. We'll see what happens after that. And now Sophia, who thought she had just as much as claim as Alex to the IP, is left with absolutely nothing. She'd be lucky to get a job here on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, we, 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 we're uh, not in for the money. We don't hire people like that. That's shallow. We're not shallow like that. For the love of the game. Yeah, this is just, you know, this is a passion project from us. You know, we could have turned this into a massive moneymaker by now, but we don't care about that. We're here to give you guys the best content we can consistently three times a week. Every time. Three yep. episodes a week, you can count on it. And that's just, you know, what that's just the way we do it. You know, I'm not saying we're right and she's wrong. I'm just saying that's the path we're taking. Death, toxic, say it ain't so sports three times a week. Just, you, you, you can yeah, bet on Guaranteed. You know, absolutely. Uh, the country's going through troubling times right now, first with the coronavirus situation, and now, uh, you know, everything that's going on right now. But, you know, as things seem to be in flux, one thing you can count on is three episodes a week from the Say It Ain't So Boys. And I think, <laughs> I think that matters to people, man. Yeah, we're I, 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 think, I think, are we becoming a, like a staple of a Americana culture? I think we are. I, I, think, I think, like, Sunday's church. And uh, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, saying it's a hundred percent. We on those days. Yep. Um, and so it, you know, one thing I will say, NFL. Uh, I'd consider moving Thursday night football. I think I would. Uh, you yeah. Know, watch we, out. I think watch we're out. we're kind of occupying that place right now. Yeah. And I, I um, you know, if they, if they want to go head to head, we can. And when the Saturday so special comes out this year, the NBA is already done from the NFL coming. But I think the yeah, NFL is from the Saturday so Christmas special. Yeah, as we said, we would break the NBA. We said they're a bubble. They're popped. We're the ones coming out with content. They're not. NFL, I know you have a game on Friday this year for your first time in history. I'd strongly advise you make that a mandatory thing and not try to mess with us. You, you, sit, you sit on Friday because Thursday belongs to say it. <laughs> watch so. out. Watch out. I mean, I mean, people people forget. Loft did say cancel the NBA season. NBA 2020 is going to get canceled, right? He said like, that. We have that, we have that and clip. Then, and, then, and then Adam Speaking Silver folded and canceled, and then canceled the NBA. You, don't, you just don't want to mess with the say it ain't so, he boys. Felt, he felt the pressure come down from me, which I would understand. You know, if I was in a situation where I'm Adam Silver and I hear me saying, like, cancel the season, I think I'd do it, too, because who knows, right? Like, that's just that's just a scary thought. And what going forward is, uh, you know, NFL, we're telling you now, we're giving you warning. Thursdays belong to say it ain't so. We're and, here uh, we'll leave it at that. Thanksgiving is considering to being moved to fit our accommodate us. You know, that's a Thursday. Yeah. I think they're looking to switch that to kind of get out of our way and to let they're people listen. make it the last Friday in November. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, Go- going ahead, uh, what I'll say here is, uh, oh yeah, college football not being played this year because Saturday's belong to the state and so boys, uh, what I ta- speaking whoa, of the NFL, whoa. speaking of the, uh, of the NFL, uh, Port- in Portnoy, uh, Dave Portnoy, he won that bid in the all-in challenge to watch a Monday night football game with Roger Goodell in Roger fair Goodell's square. Yeah, he won it fair and square. He put the money up, he put his money where his mouth was. He uh, but $250,000, and now after a background check, it is no longer the uh, Dave Portnoy scheme. Uh, felt, well, you could say it fell through, but uh, this might be better for the brand, having it canceled like this than having like some awkward like discussion with Roger Goodell during a shitty Monday night game. Uh, so that, uh, this is a, you know, you, you got to wonder what the NFL is thinking doing this. The saga continues between Goodell and Portnoy. We know they have a tumultuous past. He's kicked them out of events left and right. Portnoy called him Hitler, so he's arrested him. So they had a messy back and forth. And one of the highlights up to the cancellation was, like, looking forward to this sit-down 
because we know Dave's going to bring it. He's not going to back down to anyone. And it would have been just electric content. Like the definition of electricity would have been Portnoy Goodell sitting in Bronxville, chopping it up to like a Titans Jags Monday night game. Like that would have just been great. But, you know, yeah, as I long mean, as we couldn't have our fun. Maybe the say it ain't so, boys, pull up right in Bronxville. I mean, that is very close. Our neck of the woods, we pull up, have a live pod there, maybe interview Portnoy outside. Yeah. That's probably the only way I'd say the NFL can save themselves in this in this yeah, uh, situation. They get us involved. Yeah, you, uh, uh, they're like, well, you're really cutting out the everyman and uh, the common man and like denying Portnoy here. What I'll say: none of us have criminal records. I'm fairly sure. So if he wants to, if he wants to come in and have us, you know, we'll we'll do it if you pay us two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I we say we don't do it for the money. For this one, I'm gonna have a price. If you give us the two hundred fifty grand that Portnoy gave you. We'll come in and we'll we'll watch the Monday night game with you, Roger, and then we'll consider donating that money to charity. We'll think about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, on a on a on a more serious note, like the NFL did have a a super easy out with Portnoy and claiming that he had a criminal record for like trespassing three forty five Park Ave, uh, the NFL headquarters. Also, they uh in the emergency press conference Portnoy put out, um, he cited that they uh, mentioned uh, the the pictures of Tom Brady's kid that yeah. he posted um which I'd I say I mean, that's like, the only black mark on Portnoy's reputation just take and, the picture of the kid's dick down yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> just take the fucking picture down the what do you stand for is that, is that Portnoy like still defends it yeah, like, just, yeah. Fucking t- yeah. just take the picture down it's a picture of the kid's hog just bring it down <laughs> it doesn't need to stay up there you don't need to make a stand for like freedom of speech with the kid's dick just leave it alone <laughs> take, take it down yeah. Um, yeah. So like that. Yeah. They they didn't like they had a super easy out with that. But also you have to think like Goodell knows what he's doing. Like at 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 a certain point you have to just think Goodell's just like playing along with this, like and that it's not like a serious beef. Like I don't know. Like I I could, I kind of think that it, it's. I think it could be like that. No, no, no. I think no. I think Portnoy genuinely doesn't like him. But I think that like Goodell's got to like Goodell's got to like. Just well, the thing like, with Goodell is I yeah, think when this, like, originally started, he just thought he could just, like, throw Portnoy under the rug and kind of push him aside. But Portnoy, he'll come back at you. He's not going to back down. And by doing that, like, originally, it just fuels his fire. And it fueled to the point where he was – he's on quote, he's on record tweeting that he was willing to go seven figures without blinking. We saw he went six figures. Who knows how much more money he would have put in to just watch football with Roger Goodell. Such an outrageous thing. And – so, like, I don't know. I think he takes this very seriously. Yeah, and the it's only all... good thing about this is, like, the next guy in line is Marlins, man. And uh, apparently he that. might have some history to him, but uh, if he gets turned down, that's just – Goodell sucks. Goodell sucks. <laughs> the Marlins yeah, it, it, gets, turned, down, gets turned down, I guess, as much as I'm a pro-Goodell guy, does he want the kids to die? I mean, <laughs> you really got a question if he turns down Marlins, man. Yeah. Mar- Marlon's man was uh, on record saying that he kept on uh, like outbidding uh, Portnoy just to like get him to, to bid more. He, he was doing the classic like storage wars, like you got to run him up. Yeah, you gotta run <laughs> and I think with yeah. this whole thing, it's fair to say like it could be better off for the Barstool brand that he just got rejected. Like, yeah. do you like do you guys think that in the end this will be kind of like an extra? leg that Portnoy can go to to like push the anti-Goodell banter that he loves I, doing. I definitely think it is because I don't know what the best case scenario is of Goodell and Portnoy watching a Monday Night Football game. One, is he even allowed to record in there? Two, like how awkward and, and like tense that situation will be. And wh- what's even it's, what's the best case? They like become friends? Who's that fun for? You know, the rivalry between them is what really like drives a lot of Barstool content and I, I think like keeping it this way is good for the brand. Yeah, I mean, I like I do agree, but I also think that like if they were able to make that work, where like Porno would be able to like have like a camera guy come with him or something, and then they like have that um like they have that content. I do think that that would have been like really good content for for Barstool, um, given like the whole the history with him and Goodell. One like amazing piece of content where they end up becoming friends is that worth it? Then the next like thousands of content they're gonna put out bashing Adele, which you know it's already came out. Like I don't know, it it would be amazing, and yeah, I was looking thing- forward to it. Like I was circling my calendars for a Vikings Bears game I otherwise wouldn't have, but like at the same time, you still want to circle it? No, <laughs> but if like I'm watching that over the game, if I had the option, 
if I can just watch that interaction. But at the same time, like it's you didn't you, you didn't expect this to go through just with everything Portnoy has done. The NFL had such an when you read like the charity thing and it said you must go to a background check before you're chosen. I think we all knew this was kind of a pipe dream for Portnoy to ever get because the NFL obviously turned him down. And, you know, that's that. But Dave keeps making moves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the saga between Goodell and Portnoy continues. And I think this is just how the world's meant to be. Uh, they're not they're not meant to ever really have this, this face to face meeting. It's just it's not it's not in the plans. <laughs> Yeah, they, they still have not met a person, which is crazy to think about all this. It's just from stuff that Goodell's never showed his face near Dave Portnoy. Are we good with this? Yeah, that's just it. Yeah. Three episodes a week coming. Uh, I can't, can't wait back, for you guys baby. to hear what we have to say. Uh, we never left. We're back, baby. So, you know, you can't, be, you can't be back if you never left. We've been doing three a week for a while now. And uh, we're just going to continue doing that. Yes, when we're in the studio, can't wait. You guys will love it. Uh, and that's it. On a serious note, though, the studio is coming. We That is a correct promise if you check our Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. And we are coming for the top still. Um, this little hiatus, this is for you guys to just give you the best content possible. But when we're in the studio, it's going to be full tilt. It's going to be yeah. amazing content. Foot like to the pedal. And yeah, we're, on the gas. we're going. Yeah, yeah, we're going. And you guys will be there for it. And we're glad you will. And You'll thank us for it. God bless America. I'm going to say. <laughs> Can't hear a word you're saying. How can you not hear a word I'm saying? There we go. Now you're good. Oh, I was covering my mic. I'm, I'm stupid. Yeah, a lot of people are in some big trouble. That's all I'm going to say. A lot uh, of people are uh, in some one, one question I'll leave us all with. Are they all fucked? 100%. I agree. Yeah. They are fucked. Ask. Yeah, so we, we don't know see. who it is, but they are. They're fucked. <laughs> We're coming. We're yes, no. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. God bless America. Yep. Oh yeah, we're back. We're fucking back. The boys are back. The boys are back. Boys are back. Not seeing that. Just a week up. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, watch me rip this shit. You changed my words. Not remember that. Chelsea just went off the deep end, bro. Fuck, fuck, uh, uh. Are we still recording? Yeah. Let's go.